0: You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. The information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Hello and welcome to First Tech's latest question of the month podcast for June. Now, today we're answering an advisor question in relation to defined benefit income streams. And joining me today to help me answer this question is Tim Sanderson and Kim Guest, two of my senior technical services managers. G'day, guys. Hi, G'day, Greg. Craig. Are we all excited about end of financial year? Yes, it's a good Very thing. Very much so. It is is tax deduction time. Anyway, so let's get into our question of the month. And as I mentioned, it's on defined benefit income stream. So in this question, the client is aged 67 and is commencing a lifetime pension for $4,500 per fortnight from an untaxed government fund. And they also have an existing account-based pension that commenced back in July 2021 for $200,000, which has since grown to $220,000 as they have been taking the reduced minimums, i.e. 50% minimums. Now, the advisor is asking about the transfer balance cap implications when they commence the lifetime pension, as well as any tax, and my absolute favourite, Centrelink implications. Um, Tim, let's start with transfer balance cap implications first. So how do we work out how much counts for transfer balance cap purposes for this defined benefit income stream?
1: Sure. Well, uh, unlike for other income streams like account-based pensions, there are special rules that apply for both transfer balance cap valuation and also taxation purposes for certain non-commutable income streams that qualify as capped defined benefit income streams. Now they will include most non-commutable lifetime pensions commenced from defined benefit super funds um, really at any time, but it is important to check with a client's particular fund just to make sure that their income stream will be a cap defined benefit income stream given the significantly different treatment that applies. Um, So in this situation, the, the pension is a cap defined benefit income stream. So the transfer balance account credit will actually be instead of its commencement value, it will be its special value. And that's calculated in this case as the annualized next payment or first payment multiplied by 16. So in this case, we take the $4,500 fortnightly payment, divide by 14, multiply by 365, multiply by 16, and that all comes out as around about $1.877 million.
0: Okay, so a credit of approximately 8, $1.877 is going to exceed their personal transfer balance cap With without even taking into consideration his account-based pension,
1: actually. So how do we calculate the amount of the excess? Yeah, when we're going to calculate the the any potential excess, we do need to factor in that account-based pension. So the client commenced that at the start of this financial year. The general transfer balance cap was already $1.7 million then. So we don't need to worry about proportional indexation for this client. And the amount of the credit for that account-based pension was the starting balance of $200,000. Um, we're commencing the lifetime pension um, now. Uh, that's got a credit of $1.877 million approximately. So those total credits are going to be added together to be around about $2.077 million.
0: So obviously we've got a significant excess there is that we just went through. Now, normally when you've got an excess, you've got to commute the excess back out of the retirement phase. But how's that going to work? Because especially saying defined benefit income streams are non-commutable, How do, is there special rules to deal with this?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and to deal with that, there are special rules in place that say that a cap-defined benefit income stream alone can't cause an excess transfer balance. But the client's uh, other income streams, like account-based pension in this case, can result in an excess. So, in this sort of situation where a client has one or more cap defined benefit income streams, the amount of their excess transfer balance is actually ca- calculated differently and it's the lesser of two different things. Firstly, the client's transfer balance account minus their personal transfer balance cap. So, based on the you know, the 2.077 transfer balance account value that we already discussed, that amount would end up being thousand dollars And the other uh, value which is looked at is transfer balance account minus their capped defined benefit balance. And that's really just any credits and debits that relate to a capped defined benefit income stream. In this case, 1.877 million. So under that calculation, their excess would be $200,000, and the lesser of those is obviously going to be that $200,000 figure. So assuming the client's account-based pension is still in place when we commence this lifetime pension, the client will have that $200,000 excess transfer balance. It'll be attributable to the account-based pension, and they're going to need to commute $200,000 out of retirement phase, plus any notion learnings. um, And they'll also be subject to excess transfer balance tax. And I guess one way to avoid that issue arising in the first place would be commute that $200,000 out of the account-based pension prior to that lifetime income stream commencing.
0: All right, yeah, so
1: they only have to commute
0: 200 though, in this situation, even though the current balance has increased to 220?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're not interested in what the current balance of the account-based pension is. We're interested in what the credit was in the transfer balance account for that account-based pension. That's the amount that needs to come out of retirement phase plus any any notional earnings. Yeah, so that's interesting, isn't
0: it? Whenever you're dealing with transfer balance kind of cap questions and you're looking at the transfer balance account value, it's the value of that account, which is a notional kind of you know, ledger really, um, you don't go and look at the the actual account balances in the pension. You're looking at the transfer balance count value, um, which could be quite different. Um, what if the account-based pension had gone down in value, say to $180,000, how much would they have to commute then?
1: Yeah, there is there is a bit of a separate rule in that scenario. So in that case, uh-huh. they, they only will have to commute the $180,000, even though we we talked about having to get rid of the entire credit um, what will happen then is the ATO will issue a debit for that remaining $20,000, which will mean the client will cease to have an excess. And that's only going to be possible in this case because the client's only other remaining income streams are capped to benefit income streams. So it can only really happen where the only thing left is capped to benefit income streams or the client has no other retirement phase income streams.
0: Right. So what we were saying there just previously is that you always look at the transfer balance account value. And then when I said, oh, it's gone down, you look at the account balance there. That's actually not true, is it? Because what's happening there is it's still we're deducting off the 180, but we're still left with the credit for 200 or the the excess of 200. So it's just that there's nothing left within the superannuation system other than this non-commutable income stream that we've got less to commute. So we'll commute the 180 and then the ATO will just wipe off that remaining 20 because there's nothing left to commute. Exactly. Okay. All right. So moving on now, let's talk about taxation of the pension payments themselves from a defined benefit pension. So do you want to run me through how these pension payments are going to be taxed?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, payments from cap defined benefit pensions uh, they're taxed as per the normal rules, unless the payments from those income streams exceed what's known as the defined benefit of the income cap, and that's currently hundred and six thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. So under the normal rules, if we're within that cap, we've got a and a lifetime pension coming from an untaxed source. I think we mentioned at the start, and the normal treatment there with assuming it's all taxable component, would be it's included in the client's accessible income, but they get a 10% non-refundable tax offset to help reduce tax on that payment. But in this case, the client's receiving around about $117,300. So that's above that cap. So we do need to worry about what the treatment is uh, to the extent that income stream payment exceeds the cap. So, again, if we assume that the whole amount is taxable component, then we've got 11000 odd dollars exceeding that cap and the difference so there is they don't get out so to that tax offset. Right. So, that's untaxed element instead of just taxable component, yeah? That's, yeah. Sorry, taxable component. But um, as we mentioned, the, the entire element. taxable component is, is untaxed element. Um, right. But, and it's probably worth pointing out that if we did have an income stream which was taxed element um, there's still a defined benefit income cap but um, different treatment would would apply in that situation right okay Um, and how does the account-based pension impact this calculation yeah so the account-based pension has no impact on this calculation Um, amounts of account-based pension income won't count towards the client's defined benefit income cap Um, the payments from the account-based pension themselves are also treated in the normal way so assuming that's coming from a tax fund the client's over 60 or oh, tax, tax free all going to be tax free. Yeah,
0: yeah, terrific.
1: Okay. So
0: now we know how it impacts the transfer balance cap and how the payments going to be taxed, let's now look at social security treatment. So Kim, yeah. how how will a defined benefit income be assessed for social security
1: purposes?
2: Yeah, so Good and bad. Um, Under the asset test, it's good news. Um, So... Defined benefit income streams, even new ones that um, a client might start now, are um, exempt for asset test purposes. So if they go to apply for the age pension, the defined benefit income stream will be asset test exempt. And this applies to all defined benefit income streams that are paid from a defined benefit fund and the amount of the pensions based on factors like their salary and the number of years they've worked for the organisation. So as as long as it meets that definition, it'll be asset test exempt.
0: Right. So even though the clients are basically unable to start any other type of 100% asset test exempt income streams, they're still able to commence a defined benefit income stream that is assets test exempt.
2: Yeah, that's right. And and, and this can confuse people because, um, you know, These days, the only kind of asset test exempt income stream apart from defined benefit income streams that you can commence is like a lifetime pension, you know, that you might purchase like a lifetime annuity from a life office and that's one of those ones that um, you've been able to purchase since 1st of July 2019 and 60% of the purchase price is initially accessible and then it drops down to 30%. That is a different kind of income stream. A lifetime income stream um, has its own set of rules and it's usually, um, you know, purchased from a, a life office or there are several types of um, income streams that can meet that definition, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a defined benefit income stream um, that's payable from a defined benefit fund and the amount of the lifetime pension is, is you know, based on their salary and how long they've worked rather than um, just what the contract says that they've undertaken. So, if it's a defined benefit income stream, it's asset test exempt.
0: So, it's just a different product at the end of the day with different treatment, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about income test treatment?
2: Yeah, well, the news is not quite so good for defined benefit pensions um, for Social Security income test purposes. Um, quite often, you'll find that the full annual payment will be assessable income under the income test, and that can obviously reduce or even cancel their age pension. Um, if they are eligible for a tax deductible amount, um, then Centrelink will be Um, generally reduce their assessable income by that tax deductible amount, Um, but they limit that, generally speaking, um, to 10% of the annual payment. So even if they have a tax deductible amount, at least 90% of that annual payment is going to be assessable and that can often have quite a big impact on their age pension
0: Right, so exactly like what we just talked about with the assets test, once again, if you can try to compare this with a, one of these lifetime annuities that you what what is it sixty percent of the income yes, yeah, you in this case no the the best you're going to get with these products is ninety percent counting,
2: yeah, that's right, and quite a lot of these um defined benefit pensions that they might have from an untaxed fund might not even have a tax deductible amount at all, yeah, um, so, so, 100% you, count, so you, yeah. quite often it's a hundred yeah.
0: Okay. So that's how it's all treated for age pension purposes. What about if they can't get the age pension and they want to apply for the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, right? So for many self-funded retirees like my parents, that is their age pension. Don't get between them and their health card. Um, How is it assessed then?
2: Yeah. Well, the Commonwealth Seniors Health Care Card income test is um, based on adjusted taxable income plus deemed income from account-based pensions. So if we think about a defined benefit income stream, it's not an account-based pension, so it's not deemed Mm -hmm. when we're working out Mm -hmm. their income for Commonwealth Senior's Healthcare Card. But in some cases, there may be some of that income included in their adjusted taxable income because it forms part of their taxable income. Mm -hmm. So... Where that happens is usually where you have an untaxed element in the, so in this case we were talking about, you know, this defined benefit pension was from an untaxed fund, a government fund, um, mm. that because has a 100% untaxed element. That would mean that 100% of the um, annual payment would be included in this client's taxable income and then that would obviously be included in their adjusted taxable income for Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card purposes. So, if we look at this client's case, they were what, they had annual income of about $117,000, um, and it's all untaxed elements, so it's all included in their adjusted taxable income, and that's going to knock them out of um, being eligible for the Commonwealth Senior's Healthcare Card. That's even before considering the deemed income on their account-based pension.
0: Right, um, and didn't the Labor Labor government propose as part of the election campaign somewhere to increase the income thresholds for Commonwealth Seniors Health Card? I'm sure. Yeah,
2: they did. They did. Um, they proposed increasing it for singles from ninety thousand, uh, sorry, to ninety thousand, up from fifty seven thousand seven six one that it is currently, and for couples they proposed increasing it to one hundred forty four thousand, up from ninety two thousand four hundred sixteen. Um, and that proposal was from. 1st of July 22. So, if that gets in, and we haven't seen any legislation yet, but if that gets in, um, you know, if this person was a member of a couple, they may well be able to get the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card even with that defined benefit income counting yeah. under the income
0: test. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Okay, I, I think that about covers, covers it. Thanks, Tim and Kim. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Greg. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during this podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions, and once again, consider talking to a financial advisor. While All Care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.